0: Church, how are you guys this morning? Woo-hoo! Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in the room. In case you didn't notice, it's Chick Sunday in Theater 16. Um, not really, but I just thought it'd be fun to say that. So uh just want to say thank you so much to Miranda and Haley and Brooke and uh, the guys, uh, but the girls especially, right, on this Chick Sunday, uh, no, uh, as they led us in worship. I love, love, love our time of worship together here, and I'm always so grateful for uh, those who serve and those who lead us. So let's give it up for the band this morning. So excited and thankful for them. And once again, if you're a mother in the room, if you're visiting today, if this is your first time with us, whatever the case may be. We just want you to know that you are an honored guest here with us today, and we love having you here. Uh, My name is Kim, and I have the privilege of working as a service programming director here. And basically, that just means that Um, Pretty much everything you see in the room The worship and lots of little details I help get those going on Sunday Uh, But I also have the privilege of leading An amazing women's group on Tuesday nights And uh, there you go There's some of my girls in here Um, If you are a woman in the room And you do not have a small group And you want to be a part of one I invite you to come and join us We actually have one Tuesday left We'll take our summer break But um, I, I love being with those ladies And every week we get together And we just dig deep into scripture. And so we're going to give you a taste of that this morning as we continue on in our series called Your New Default. And we've been talking the past few weeks about how, especially with our electronics, we get something new and it has these preset settings in it. And so we have to go through, like when we get a new phone, we go through and we add our own apps and we set up our thumbprint and we do our face ID, and all of those types of things, because we want it set a certain way. We want it to function a certain way. And what Jesus says to us is that when we begin a relationship with him, when we start walking with him and living by his truth and getting to his word, there's some defaults in us that he wants to tweak a little bit and some things that he wants to to change in our life. And so Jesus begins to change our defaults. And you know, as Christians, sometimes we just, we can live like we're just stuck in the old settings. And so today I want to challenge us in some areas uh, that have to do that. Because when Jesus comes into our life, he changes our default settings when it comes to our relationships, our friendships, uh, the way we parent, the way we work in our jobs, the way we think about our future. And, you know, a lot of times when when we are involved in those things, one of the things that we can really battle is worry. Because we want to be sure that we're doing everything right and checking off all the boxes. And I just have a question for you guys here this morning. Do any of you worry? Can I, like, hear a shout-out? You got any worriers in the room? Yeah. I I, I can be a worrier. And, you know, what are the things that keep you up at night? There you go, everything. (laughs) You know, what are, what are the questions that roll around in your mind? What are the things that you, th- are you worried, you know, thinking about money, thinking about job, thinking about future? All of those things can cause us to worry. 75% of Americans, this slide is going to be up here, tells us that 75% of Americans are worried. And the question is, what are we worried about? Anybody got a guess? Spiders. Okay, good. Maybe, yeah, Okay. Any arachnophobes in the room there? So the number one thing, and I heard somebody say money, the number one thing that we are worried about is paying our bills. Do I have enough money for groceries? Do I have enough money for gas? Am I going to be able to pay for the things that prices just seem to keep going up and up and up on? Can I pay my bills? The second thing that we tend to worry a lot about is our health care. Um, and if any of you are in a job that does not provide health care, um, you may know that if you try to get it on your own, whoo, it is pricey. It, it costs a lot of money. And then when you do get it, if you go to the doctor, will they even accept it? And then, God forbid, you have some reason that you really need to use it. Like, is it going to cover it? And so, you know, health care is a big concern for a lot of us. And the third thing people are re- worried about is retirement. Anybody in here already retired? Got any retirees? Still grinding away. That's right. Just keep on working it. But, you know, am I going to have enough money to live on when I finish working or am I just going to have to keep working until I'm like 117 years old? Is there going to be enough money there? And so we think about these things. We worry about these things. We think about these problems. And then we say, who am I going to turn to in order to to be able to figure out how to work through these issues, how to not deal with worry? And the answer is, from 75% of Americans who are worried, the answer is, I'm going to turn to myself. Well, y'all, can you just help me understand, how does that make a bit of sense when we are the ones who got ourselves into that predicament in the first place? Does that make any sense at all? So I'm the one who's dug the hole, but I'm the one who's going to get out of the hole. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And and as we look at the list of things that we're talking about with worry, what we realize is they all have one thing in common. Did you see what it was? It's money. That's exactly right. Can I pay my bills? Can I pay for health care? do I have enough money to retire? They all deal with money. We worry about money. Do I have enough money? Can I make more money? Can I keep money from slipping through my fingers? But here is the reality of money in our lives. And and I just, if this is true for you, I'm going to want to hear audible this morning. Money promises so much, but delivers so little. You find that to be true in your life? You find that money says, oh, I'm going to give you security. Oh, I'm going to give you happiness. Oh, I'm going to give you the possessions that you want. I'm going to give you status and I'm going to help you accomplish things. But in the end, money promises so much and delivers so little. So today, as we begin to think about our lives and the worry that we tend to carry around with us, I want to take a look at the Bible and see what Jesus has to say about setting a new default when it comes to money in our lives. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. If you have your phones with you, you can take them out and open up YouVersion. You can click on the More tab and live events and follow along with us. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be starting in verse 19. And here's what we see in verse 19. It says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Now, do you see what's happening right there in the introduction of this line? What Jesus says? He says, don't store up what? Treasures. What do you think treasures is for us today? Money. That's right. He's like, don't start storing up money where, where the things are going to cause you to be linked to worry. And he gives us a clue. He says, I don't want you to store up treasures here on earth. Why? Why don't we do that? Because what happens? The moths eat them, the rust destroys them, and the thieves break in and steal them. So if you've spent all this time investing in things here on earth, you can count on moss and rust and thieves. You know, I was thinking about when when I was a college student, and maybe some of you were this way too, when you were just starting out, like... Like, man, if you needed something, if you need like a chair and you saw one sitting on the side of the road, you're like, yeah, free chair, man. And you grab the chair and you take it and you use it. And it doesn't really mean that much to you. You don't care if it breaks or if a moth eats it or if it gets destroyed because, I mean, you don't have anything invested in it, right? But there seems to be a tie between our hearts and our worry and our money when we invest in it. As we come out of those formative years and we start working and we start earning money and we start shelling out money for furniture and a new car and a new house, all of a sudden we've got an investment and that stuff means a whole lot more, doesn't it? And the more treasure that we have, the more worry that tends to come along with it. And so all of a sudden, you know, God is saying, do you love me as much as you love your home?" And how much do you really love that car? How much do you really want to invest in that? Because at the end of the day, the moths are going to eat it. Rust is going to rust it out and destroy it. And the thief could break in and take it. But let's see what, uh, see what Jesus says about this. We're going to be in Matthew 6, verse 20. It says, store your treasures where? In heaven. And why do we do that? Because the moth and the rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal and so jesus says i want to reset your default here because i want to change the way that you think about things i don't want you to think about them so much as once you acquire it you've got to worry about it because i want you to set your mind in a whole different place i want you to set your treasures in heaven that's worth investing in I want you to think about what's not going to fall apart and rot and rust. I want you to think about what cannot be taken away. I want you to think about a different pursuit for your life, a new default. Think about your treasure in heaven. Because wherever the desires of your heart are, there your treasure will also be, right? Wrong. That's not what it says at all. That's right. Exactly right. Some of you may be sitting here going, what? What is she talking about? So what I just said is where the desire of your heart is, there your treasure will also be. And, you know, I may get an email or two of somebody saying, oh, you misquoted that. But isn't that what, isn't that what our culture says? Our culture says follow your heart. Follow what feels good. Follow after that thing, that possession, that position, whatever it is you want. But Jesus didn't actually say that, did he? So culture says follow your heart, but but I'm going to tell you something. I, I can't really trust my heart because I don't know about your heart. My heart is pretty selfish. I mean, I have a nice home, but pff, I'd take a bigger one. Yeah, I mean, sure, I, I took a vacation, you know, to Stewart County, <laughs> Would I rather go to Fiji? Sure. You know, I mean, hey, that would, sounds great. You know, I've, I've got a car, but would I like a newer one? You know, we've always got, we always want more and more and more. The desires of my heart, if I follow my heart, it wants my treasure to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And what God says, no, 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 no. I, I, that's not where I want your focus to be. I don't want your focus on your treasure. I want you to focus on heaven where it is. So let's read it the correct way. Wherever you're, What? treasure is there the desires of your heart will also be so where does your heart end up really and truly we have to ask ourselves where does our heart end up and it ends up where your money or your lack of money is and some of you may have an experience with this. This morning, Andrew and Rachel are going to be joining me. Um, they are longtime friends and attend here at One Church. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Rachel. Hello. Would you all welcome them, please? <clears throat> so this morning, we are going to be sharing about um, some circumstances that Andrew and Rachel have Uh, come through in 2018. And I just wanted you to hear this in real live people talk because a lot of times if I'm teaching or Chris is teaching or Carla, we can share a story. I don't know about you. When I hear it come directly from somebody else's mouth, it hits me a lot harder. And so I wanted Rachel and Andrew to be here. So, Rachel, tell us a little bit about yourself and and Rachel.
1: Good morning. So uh, my name is Andrew. This is my wife, Rachel. Um, I'm from Clarksville, been here all my life. Um, I've grew up, grew up in a local church. Mm. Um, there every time the doors were open. <laughs> there you go. So, um,
0: and you guys own a business here we, in town.
1: We do own a business. Okay. we've uh, we've been in business for a little over ten years. All right. Um, our our business has been good to us over the years. We've uh, increased financially every year. Um, one year after, after the other, we've never had a decrease, so wow. um, it's it's been good to us.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. But in 2018, you kind of found yourself in a place of, even though you had a growing business and things were going well, you found yourself in a gap. Is that fair to say?
2: Absolutely. Okay. Yes, we All did. Right.
0: Um, it really, it started with security.
2: Mm. Our security was stuff, you know, the... The more stuff, the better. That's, that's what completed us. That's what made us comfortable. Um,
0: and how did that manifest itself? What were some of the ways oh, that you gosh. gathered stuff? Was that yeah. like cars? Or oh, absolutely. What is it? I mean, yeah, what we, we owned a, a nice house.
2: We always drove new cars. We mm-hmm. went on vacation whenever we wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it just If there was something we wanted, we bought it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Done. Something, you know, someone we cared about wanted, we bought it. And we never were concerned with how we were going to pay for it.
1: I can remember one time about seven years ago, we were at the car dealership and we were looking at a, a brand new truck. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm a car guy, so I, I had looked into this truck. I had done all the research. I knew all the features that made it better than the truck I had, which was there was, had nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. But I had, I had justified to myself why I needed to have this truck because it was better than what I had. And so we went through all the numbers. I came back and said, okay, if you buy this truck, here's what your payment's going to be. And so Rachel and I talked about it. And Rachel said, okay, well, here's what, here's what we need to do to make to make that payment work. And she said, you know, this is what we have to make uh, in the business to make that work. And I said, okay, great. I got that. I can do it. I t- took it upon myself. And I said, if that's what it takes, then I'll do it. Mm, mm. And we bought the truck.
0: Wow. And don't you think that's where we find ourselves a lot of times? Like, if we crunch the number and it looks good on paper, like, yeah, I can do mm-hmm. it. Any of you out there have that experience where you're just like, as long as it looks good on paper, it'll happen. But that's oh, not sure. always the case, is it, it? It's not. It's not. Tell us about how you realized you were in the gap.
2: Oh, gosh. Um, it, well, it really, it started with just waking up one morning and just it hit us like a ton of bricks. I remember I laid there. I was like, Lord how am I going to pay my mortgage? That,
0: that was like the rock bottom for, for us. Mm. Mm. And had you ever been in that place before?
1: We had one time uh, about four years ago. Uh, we had found ourselves in a similar situation, and um, we didn't pray about it. We, we actually consulted our accountant, mm. and um, he crunched the numbers and said, okay, here's what you need to do to get out of this. So we did what he said to do, Uh, And ultimately, all we did was rearrange some debt. We didn't lose any debt. We just rearranged it. Um, And and so we got back to a comfortable place where we felt like we could make it work again. And then uh, once we were back to a comfortable spot, we just kept on going. We didn't fix any problems. We just got comfortable again.
0: Right, right. Anybody ever been there, found that you're in your comfortable place? I know that can be one of the scariest parts for us is when we wake up and find I'm comfortable. And so at once you realized, "Oh my gosh, we're in this place and we maybe not be able to pay our mortgage. What what did you do?" And that was the that was a hard part. Um
2: because we're both control freaks. Okay. Um so our we we decided, we knew there was something that we needed to do and our our minds were straight, but our our hearts sort of took different different paths. Oh, okay. I immediately I submitted. I said, "Jesus, take the wheel." you know, Lord, you know, I, I'm giving this to you. Uh, I prayed like I've never prayed before. I'm talking knees on the floor yes. praying. Um,
1: it took I, me a little bit longer.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I asked for forgiveness. I said, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Please forgive me for not seeking you for security um, and, and really just
0: relying on stuff. Yeah. And what about you, Andrew? You said your journey's a little bit different.
1: I, yeah. I mean, we, uh, you know, we actually... Uh, we spent some time talking to Chris and Kim. Um, we we knew they were praying for us. We were praying uh, about it. Um, we got enrolled in Financial Peace University, um, and it did wonders for us. But uh, ultimately, uh, by week two my in Financial Peace University, my head was straight. It still took me months to get my heart straight. Mm. Um, I just... I struggled with it, I, and I've, I finally found peace in that, but it took me a long time.
0: Wow, wow, and I appreciate your honesty there because I think that's a battle that a lot of us face when we realize we're in the gap. Our pride can get in the way, and we can begin to think, man, I really don't want to get rid of this stuff. I paid a lot of money for it, but in the end, it's the very thing that holds us back, and so we find ourselves in that tug of war between heart and head. So, so tell us, what progress have you made? Where are you now?
2: Well, <laughs> uh, it, 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 the journey really was twofold, if you will. You know, there was, of course, the the financial journey, and but it's, it's still going. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a, a a young journey still for us. Um, there was the the financial, and also very much spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, Right now, I mean, thanks to, to FPU, we're on we're living on a budget. Mm-hmm. Um, they have some amazing tools um, that where well, you know where your money is going. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not just letting this this debt overcome you. Um,
1: and you wouldn't believe the amount of worry that it, it takes away.
2: Oh my gosh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we're calm for the first time in, in forever. Um, yeah, our marriage is the strongest it's ever been. And it has not always been that, um, but you know, our, our business is flourishing. Um, we've increased our giving to the church, and that feels amazing. And I'm kind of the crazy thing on that is the more we give, the more we increase our giving, the more money shows up. Wow. Yeah, it just it, it just happens. Um, so. We've had money
1: show up that we didn't weren't planning for, weren't expecting, didn't even right. know it was coming. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so would you say that um, – can you look back now and say that you're thankful for the
2: Absolutely. journey? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. One thing Rachel okay. didn't mention is that in, in uh, three or four months, um, we've paid off about a third of our debt already.
2: Mm. Right.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Yep. That's awesome.
2: We sold all our stuff, you know. And then it's amazing. Once you ditch the stuff, you realize how much you really never did need it. Yeah. I mean, we have everything we need right. now without all – the junk that's just going to rust and get eaten by my mom. That's right, and,
0: right, and destroyed, you know, stolen, yeah. that's right. And so what, what final piece of advice would you give if you could just say, this is what I want you to take away from our story? What would that be?
1: I would have to say for me is that uh, you just don't realize how much you don't need stuff because I, I held on firmly to a lot of stuff and it took a lot of doing for me to be able to let it go. Mm. And And once I let a lot of it go, I realized I really didn't need it. I thought I I thought I couldn't live without it, but once it was gone, my life didn't feel any different.
0: Wow, that's powerful.
1: If anything, it felt better.
2: That's awesome. What about you, Rachel? Oh, aside from just not needing the stuff, just trust God. Mm. Um, You give it to Him; He He's going to provide. Absolutely. You know, He's not going to just just leave you there. Mm. You know, just follow His path, and
0: right,
2: He He's the man. Absolutely.
0: Can y'all thank Rachel and Andrew for being with us this morning? Thank you so much. <laughs> you know, I love what they said about it was this time of accumulation and we could just gather in whatever we wanted or whatever we thought we wanted. And so I just want to say to you this morning that if you, if you think that you love God, if you think you're following him well, if you think your finances are okay, do me a favor and check your bank account. Because if you want to see what you really love, check your bank account and your credit card statements. That'll tell you what you really love. It'll tell you what is a priority in your life. It will tell you what you worry about. It will tell you what you're investing in. So as you begin to look through that, basically what it becomes is a report card of sorts. Because we find out what we follow. When we have money, do we run to the mall? Do we get on the internet? What does that look like for us? And maybe for some of you, a meaningful percentage of that is being given to God's kingdom. And thank God for it. That's awesome. But I think that most of us will find that as we go back through and we look at that, what we really love can be found in the pages of a checkbook or can be found in our online bank statements. You know, we can audit the status of where we are with God. So if we want to see what we really love, check the checkbook. And I also want to say, if you want to see what you really worry about, check the checkbook. Check the credit card statement. Because so many times our worry, we end up chasing our worry with money. We'll try to fill it with things or we'll try to put something else before it. And what God is saying to us, he says, listen, I just need you to be flat out honest with yourself, I need you to be honest with your spouse or with whoever it is that shares your money with you because here's the point. Your treasure does not follow your heart. The treasure doesn't follow the heart. We set our heart first. And Jesus is saying, I want you to set your heart on me. I want you to set your heart on the things that I have for you because those things will not be destroyed. Our heart follows our treasure. And so Jesus says, Make me your treasure. That way you can follow me with all you've got because wherever you're invested, whether that be in school or whether that be in your house or whatever that looks like, a vehicle, a boat, taking vacations, whatever it is that you're funding, whatever it is that you're giving money to, that's where your heart is. And that's not my truth. That's not my words. That's, that's God's idea. Wherever it is your money's going, that's what you're following. Because my spending reveals my real devotion. And so if we want to think that God and our money are separate, we need a new default. We need to reprogram the way that we think because my spending reveals my real devotion. And so Jesus says, let's not be so ambiguous about this. Let's make it clear. And so in Matthew 6, 24, he says, you cannot serve two masters because you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he just calls it out, y'all. He says, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money because here's the thing. Money makes a fantastic servant. It works great when we're telling it where to go, but it makes a terrible master. It makes a fantastic servant, but it is a terrible master. And if you don't believe me, think about the times in our country when we've been in financial crisis, when when a depression has hit or when a recession has come. And you've got people jumping out of windows because they think their life is over because of the lack of money in their lives. That is when money is a master. How about folks, and I read a statistic that said that people who are uh, regular gamblers, um, they will find people's bodies in the parking lot at casinos because they've lost so much because money has become the master. And that's not where God wants us to be. Money promises so much and it delivers so little. And when we look at the bottom line and we think, oh, well, I can just make payments. It'll be fine. It's no big deal. But Jesus is saying, I I want to flip this around in your life. I don't want you to follow the money. I want you to follow me. Because the the real truth in our lives is, and this is our big idea for today, generosity delivers everything that money promises. We want to focus on ourselves. We want to focus on our goals, our dreams, our bigger, our better. But listen to what Jesus says, Matthew 6, 25. I tell you, do not, what? Do not worry about everyday life. And you say, but I am worried about everyday life. I got bills to pay. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I don't want you to worry about everyday life. I don't want you to worry about if you have enough food to drink Food to drink, I'm sorry. If you have enough food to eat. Because the reality is that most of us here are probably in a surplus. If We can check our waistlines. That probably confirms it. So he says, I don't want you to worry about if you have enough food and drink. And I don't want you to worry about if you have enough clothes to wear. Because your life is more than food. And it's more than clothes. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Now, I want to tell you, all back in Bible times, clothing was a big deal like everybody had one set. And so when they went out to work for the day, they had on their one set of clothes and they went out and earned basically a daily wage. And with that wage, they bought food for their family. They provided for that day. And so God was saying to them in that culture, I don't want you to worry about it. I am going to take care of you in this day. I've got you covered. And so when we think about ourselves and the surplus in our lives, isn't life more than food? And isn't the body more than clothing? We have to think about our new default. We have to turn our eyes away from the things that seem like they're our treasure. And we have to think about the things of heaven. And then Jesus gets real personal with it. In Matthew six twenty six, he says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food for themselves. For your heavenly father does what? He feeds them. You ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about Googling that? Like, how do birds survive the winter? I mean, those, those things are flying all over the town, flying all over the world and eating and flying back. I mean, God is caring for a bird. And then he says, he, he brings it home. He says, and aren't you far more valuable than that? Can all of your, here's our keyword today, can all of your worry add a single moment to your life? And we know that it can't. We are constantly being told that we are too stressed out. Anybody in here stressed out? That doesn't add to, it doesn't add to our life. It doesn't add minutes to our life. It doesn't add value to our life. And so we're thinking, treasure, treasure, treasure. Worry, worry, worry. And we're just detracting from the life that God has for us. He says, why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. And notice what he says here. I love this. They don't Work and to make their clothing, and yet Solomon, in all of his glory, Solomon was a king in the Old Testament, who was super rich and super wise. Solomon, in all of his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And now let's bring it home. If God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, and here's the part that we struggle in our belief listen carefully, he will certainly care for you so why do you have so little faith so don't worry about these things saying what will we eat and what will we drink and what will we wear because these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers if you are here today and you have a relationship with jesus are you still living like an unbeliever in this area if you've accepted him, why don't you live like it in this area? It's like, man, I can give up so many other things. I can trust God here and I can trust God there. But when it comes to this part, I'm just like white knuckling it. Live like you believe it. Here's what he says that we should do. In Matthew 6, he says, you want treasure? You seek first the kingdom of God above all else. And you live righteously and he will give you what? Say it out loud and proud. He will give you everything you need everything you need and so sometimes our thought process becomes this okay well once I get more money then I'll be more generous I'll be generous when I make more money because then I can trust that God's been faithful to me because he's given me more money and then once I see that then I'll be faithful to God but here's the truth generosity is not a financial issue it's a heart issue and so if we say that we believe in God and we say that we trust him, then we step out in that. But I think most of us find ourselves in the place where we just, we don't think God is good. We don't necessarily believe that. We, maybe we think he's good in other areas. He was good to create some things and he was good at this and good at that. But do we believe that he's good and that he will provide for us? Do I believe myself and my capability above what I believe in him? You don't think that God can be trusted. I don't think that God can be trusted. And so what do we do with that? We say God isn't good and I can't trust God. So I take, I take from him and I worry. And so I try to hold all these things in my life and I'm taking and I'm worrying. And all along he's saying, no, 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 no. Store it up in heaven. Store it up in heaven. It's not going to be lost there because here on earth, money promises so much and delivers so little. And so many of us have never engaged with God in our finances. We're willing to engage in other places, but in this room, we're like, oh, this is tough. Anybody ever feel that? Yeah. I feel the reality of that. I've spent a long time in my life putting my security in the number that was in the bank account. And if the number was right, I felt good. I felt like we're okay, we're making it. But let that thing fall down and blow a certain thing. And I'm white-knuckling and, oh God, what are we going to do? And how are we going to make money? And what should we sell? And what should we get rid of? I mean, my faith was gone in an instant. Because I put my faith in what could be destroyed and in what was temporal and what was fleeting instead of in the God of heaven who is eternal and creates and sustains all things. And so God says, listen, generosity is what you need. Generosity provides everything that money promises. And so how do we put shoes on this? How do we begin to live it out? And so this is what I want you to do this week. I want you to worry less by giving more. And you're like, oh, here it comes. After my money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am. But not for me. Not for me. It's because I want us to live what we say that we believe. I want us to give You know, a lot of people talk about is 10% enough or what should I do? What should I give? And I just want you to start this week. Start somewhere. Start with 10%. That's fine. Or maybe, maybe this week, if that's not big enough, maybe if you want to go bigger, maybe you could double what you give. And for some of you in the room, you're thinking, Hey, I don't give anything. So I'm good. Right? But if you, whatever it is that you give, pray about doubling that amount, Because the reality of where we are right now is that we've got 80% of people that come to one church who are connected and serve on a Sunday and call one church their home. And they don't give 10%. They may give $40 a year. A year. They may give $100 a year. But it doesn't look like we fully engaged with what has God has called us to do. And so what I want us to hear is that this is a matter of our heart. You know, for a long time, Chris and I spent, we, we, tithe was last. Like if we got to the end of the month and there was still some money left, we would kind of throw it at God. And we wondered why, you know, how come we didn't have peace in this area and why was it so hard to obey? And I had this thing about, oh, unless I physically write the check out, it doesn't, it's not genuine, it's not from my heart, bull, Because when we got to one church, we started setting that up so it comes out before we ever see it. Because if I'm going to fully engage with God, if I'm going to fully be following him and trusting him and believing what he says, that generosity provides everything that money promises, then I've got to be willing to take a step. I've got to be willing to step out. And so I challenge you, start somewhere. Start with a percentage double what you're giving, it's fine. But start somewhere and believe God in the process. Money promises so much, but delivers so little. Generosity delivers everything that money promises. So test God on it. Over the next 30 days, Test God on it and just just give just be generous and you know what if you give it to your local church If you give it to this church and you don't feel like God meets you in that and you're like man God didn't show up. God didn't do what he said he was going to do. Then we'll give you your money back It's not our money. Anyway belongs to god It all belongs to him Today on your way out You're going to be given one of these cards with instructions of how you can automate the important We automate so many other things in our lives. It just happens and we don't even think about it. So let's take some time and put a priority in where we start with that with God. You know, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, put your trust in money and down you will go. But I promise you that if you put your trust in the God that you say that you believe in and the God who has enough power to save your soul, The God who loves you beyond what you understand, the God who forgives you for everything you've ever done in the past, what you have done in the present, and what is coming in your future. If that God who was raised from the dead to give you new life, if he can't be faithful to you and your money, you're welcome to take it up with him. But I promise you, he will never fail you. Let's pray. God, we just want to thank you so much that you are our generous God. You are the one who has been the example, example to us of what generosity looks like in the first place. When you sent Jesus, your son, to be the savior of our lives, to take us from all the things that separated us from you, from our attitudes, from our hard hearts, when you sent him to us, you showed how very generous you are. And so help us to follow you in your generosity. Amen. Before you head out today, I really, really want to encourage you to listen to the words of this song, Your Love is Better Than Life.
3: church.